life wants to evolve at the foundation of our being. Life is driving forward, is self-overcoming, is seeking new possibilities, new ways of interconnecting, new ways of relating to create more stability, more coherence, more complexity, more possibility over time. And that given the right conditions, those, will, those seeds will grow and sprout and germinate into something truly beautiful. really came to recognize that we were being invited to steward and carry a shared harmonized resonant vision for a more beautiful life-sustaining future world that it actually needs to be somatically felt and emotionally experienced and relationally attuned with that we need to have um, eco-cultural praxis hubs where we can learn together, unlearn, and relearn what it is to be ecocentrically minded design participants with life, as life. Welcome to the Seeds Podcast. We are the School for Ecocentric Evolution and Design Strategies. Our names are Alia and Hayden, and our primary mission is to sow seeds of a life-affirming world at the fertile intersection of the individual, cultural, and more-than-human ecologies. We stand at a collective threshold. The old way of being cannot take us safely or meaningfully into the future. A new way of being is asking to be born, which is both an embodied remembrance from our earth-based ancestry, as well as an emergent possibility of a more beautiful future world. We believe that this more beautiful world will arise out of a radical shift in collective consciousness, from an egocentric, separate self-reality to an ecocentric, life-sustaining one. This shift in consciousness will not happen of its own making, but instead will require our active participation as a kind of collective rite of passage that not only changes how we see the world, but also how we choose to show up within it as members of it. This transition is already taking place within the hearts and minds of so many individuals and communities around the world. There are many who carry a similar vision, for it is not our vision alone, but instead it is the Earth's vision for herself that we are waking up to as conscious agents of her own evolutionary unfoldment. It is a vision prayed for by our ancestors, and it is a vision remembered by the future ones to come. We call this vision Seeds, and as the School for Ecocentric Evolution and Design Strategies, we are in service to studying and designing how we can most gracefully and holistically align with this evolutionary impulse that's organically arising in these unprecedented collective times. Our intention with this podcast is to further refine, explore, and articulate this shared vision as an act of creative service to support this evolutionary transition. May all our efforts and visions be woven together into a shared fabric of intention that can carry us safely and meaningfully from where we are now into the next chapter of our unfolding planetary story. Thanks, Thanks for, for being, being with, with us. us. Hello and welcome to the first episode 
of this new season of our Seeds podcast. Mm-hmm. We're really excited to be here with yes, you. And absolutely. the intention of this season is really to further refine and also share back some of the core tenets of our design frameworks, our first applications, our guiding visions, who we are and what we're all mm. about. So we really hope to be able to translate what guides us to you all better getting to know us. Absolutely. We wrote an article in conjunction with this first podcast episode. Yeah. It starts with more of the personal story of how Seeds came into being. Yeah. And so maybe, Hayden, I'll let you kind of explore or talk a little bit more about that. Yeah, well, uh, SEED stands for the School for Ecocentric Evolution and Design Strategies. And it's been uh, the core foundational project for the last four years that Ollie and I have been tending to, and actually the core vision that wove our relationship together. And we actually met each other in the mountains of Colorado in 2018, um, both of us saying yes to a vision quest ceremony guided by School of Lost Borders, which is just a really amazing wilderness rites of passage organization that's been doing really good work for a number of years. And so we both were synchronistically drawn to this program um, in, in really similar ways and for similar reasons. I know to speak for myself, I was really seeking a, a deeper yes saying to my life know this unique life that I'm here to live and to really mark a threshold and a transition into a, a really tr- a true adulthood and that you know just personally the the idea of a wilderness rite of passage was this real beautiful inspiration um, or invitation to uh, step into more maturity in my life and that I had graduated college and and done the corporate world thing and it didn't work for me it didn't serve me and um, I felt like I'd never really gone through a a true initiation a true claiming of my adulthood and moving from the boyhood adolescent phase um, and into an adult way of being and so that's what the vision quest was really like drawing and calling me into. And it held a lot more than just that, mm-hmm. um, for sure. But yeah, I'm curious for you, Alia. I, I know, I, I feel like I know, but I would love to hear from you in this moment. Like what was drawing you at that time to the vision quest in Colorado? At that time in my life, I had just become licensed as a clinical social worker after many years of doing kind of nonprofit mental health work in the public sector and and mostly in the school systems, as well as doing quite a bit of anti-racism, anti-oppression work as a community facilitator, as well as restorative justice practice. Mm -hmm. And I was realizing that for my own sort of soul nourishment and aliveness, I needed to weave myself into deeper communion and relationship with the earth. And I needed to be able to be a part of dreaming into emergent possibilities of radical creative solutions Mm -hmm. to some of the challenges that I was deeply immersed within, Mm -hmm. within the systems that I was working in and that were causing quite a bit of grief and Mm -hmm. depletion emotionally, psychologically, spiritually. And so I had discovered earth-based sort of wilderness practices through Animus Valley a couple years before we met each other in 2018. Mm -hmm. And 
I'd even put myself on a three-day vision quest um, in 2017, but I knew coming out of that experience that I really needed and wanted to be held by an intergenerational community and by guides who were skilled and practiced in this work and with a group of other humans who were choosing to embark into a deeper, more purposeful way of knowing themselves and entering into a larger conversation with life. Mm. And so I was making some big transitions in my life, stepping away from my career, um, stepping away from a wonderful partnership, kind of saying farewell from now to a group of amazing Mm. community members and friends and and leaving that sort of what I considered a first adulthood life, which was like the best version of how I knew how to show up. Um, to my life at that time in my early mid-20s and Mm -hmm. then wanting to mark kind of a transition into a true north adulthood Mm -hmm. with the help of this vision quest ceremony Mm -hmm. in 2018 to really kind of let go of parts of my past and heal and attend to ancestral wounds intergenerational wounds Mm -hmm. and weave myself into deeper communion with the earth and be kind of directed and informed and reminded of who I am and what my niche or my part of this larger Mm. planetary story is that I Mm. could serve and step into. Mm. Beautiful. And so by true north adulthood, I'm assuming you're meaning like this clear direction, clear direction Mm -hmm. for a deeper level of participation or right alignment. Is there anything else you want to name about what you mean by that? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think that sense of on a compass, like Mm -hmm. the true north, helping to orient or locate oneself more generally by having a sense of like where that true north sort of directionality is. Mm -hmm. And also in terms of the earth-based rites of passage work, as we know now, we both are now trained in this work and we help guide rites of passage and a vision quest for other humans. But the north is also the quadrant of the adult. And I, I knew that at that time as already as well, mm-hmm. of really wanting to say yes to being this contributory member of a generative mm-hmm. culture and being a part of like a cultural visionary, cultural artist, mm-hmm. artisan, mm-hmm. being someone that can help actually yeah. show up in these times right. and has done enough of her or his like or their personal work right. to be able to have a deeper sense of what one's place is sure. and how we can help move things forward collectively yeah. towards more life-sustaining, life-enhancing, life-affirming right. ways of being. Right. And in a lot of ways, that was part of this sort of retraction back into yourself of like the work that you were doing was attempting to work within the systems to really support um, the marginalized of our society and sort of the Mm -hmm. underbelly of our culture and to provide real service uh, to humans that need it and Mm -hmm. that was a really beautiful thing that you were doing for a period of time Mm -hmm. and that you were noticing there needed to be some really deep transformational structural shifts in order to collectively step into a new way of being that doesn't perpetually recreate Mm -hmm. the problem scenarios that you were facing within your work yes exactly exactly I mean those years inform everything that I do and are always a part of why Mm -hmm. even what we're thinking about or doing now with seeds even matters because of the real impacts of the unwellness of these systems and how they affect real people and real ecologies And uh, being able to, I I realize that if I feel 
like that I don't know how to set myself free in these times and I feel burdened or responsible for the unwellness of these systems and I feel shackled by my graduate student loans and debt. If I don't know how to actually liberate my own creativity and be part of creative, emergent, sort of experimental, experiential problem solving, then how can I really meaningfully be a part of this collective liberation movement of our planet and of our people? So I need to kind of live into my inherent birthright liberation and from that place be able to serve this unfoldment in a way that ultimately gives back to those in most need and also is like a way that I too can be nourished and fulfilled and Mm. satisfied and engaged in my own life and in my own story yeah and I was on a particular journey of really retracting from the world in a lot of ways having gone through Christian school my whole life played football all the way through college graduated college just got a business degree because it was the most practical thing I could do got right into sales and in that environment wearing a suit and tie driving a a fancy car and just like plunging myself into that world and I really just quickly realized that I could not survive in that environment like my physical health was deteriorating my mental and psychological health was deteriorating and I really needed to discover a deeper meaning Um, and so actually my partner and I at the time came up with this audacious idea to, to, to quit our jobs simultaneously. We were reading the book, The Alchemist, and to, to set out on our grand adventure, right? And so we sold all of our stuff, put backpacks on our backs, and started traveling around the world. And this would really set in motion like a, a chain of events for me that would lead to our meeting at the Vision Quest in 2018. You know, I thought I was just going to go travel the world and discover who I was and it was all going to be perfect and I was going to come back with these messages and guidance for the world and my friends and my community and having discovered myself, be able to, to serve the world in a meaningful way. And what I came home with was a, a tremendous amount of sickness and illness. And I got really sick in Southeast Asia and picked up Lyme disease on the way and just found myself in a really intense uh, state. And I couldn't, I was broke. I spent all of my money. Um, And so I went on this incredible journey of trying to discover healing. There's so much chronic pain in my being that like I couldn't do anything else but just say yes to how this pain wanted to move me and how it could move and transform and find more space. And ultimately, when I heard about the vision quest, just spending four days fasting on the earth, it just felt so right and so perfect for what I needed in my life of like rediscovering a sense of wholeness, rediscovering connection and finding that my healing was really Um, being supported by my time in nature, just like sitting under a tree or just laying on the ground. And so at that point, like I was living in my minivan and um, yeah, I was really called to this wilderness rite of passage ceremony as a way of deepening into this healing process of rediscovering a sense of personal connection, a personal healing, personal holing um, and relationship with the earth and relationship with my deep inner self. And in this process of like, 
seeking a deeper sense of meaning, a deeper sense of significance in a world where I had come from that I had lost a lot of that sense, you know, of what is the purpose of all of this. Mm. So there mm-hmm. we found ourselves, you know, mm-hmm. both at this vision quest ceremony and mm-hmm. with a lot of parallel processes and Mm -hmm. experiences and synchronicities and it was curious making um certainly but i think we were really just deeply supportive of each other's personal process Mm -hmm. that like we were both claiming like this sense of our inner warrior this individuality this seeking this striving this claiming of our vitality and of our health and our place in the world and mm-hmm. um leading up to the quest we both picked spots that were the farthest out of any of their questers mm-hmm. and uh happened to be buddies on a vision quest mm-hmm. and i get maybe do you want to explain a little bit about what that means mm-hmm. yeah. yes so being a buddy with another person is a nonverbal way that uh, participants in the quest can make sure that each other are safe so it's a really kind of simple primitive way of sending the message through a rock pile often it's done the way we did it is that Hayden would put a rock in the center of a circle that we'd created in the morning and then I would go in the afternoon and take that rock out knowing that he was okay because he'd put the rock in in the morning time he would come the next day see that I had taken the rock out knowing that I was okay and he'd put the rock back in mm-hmm. and we would do that for the four days that we were fasting alone in the wilderness obviously not interacting or seeing one another in that process yeah. but sending this message and holding that space for one another, that we were safe, we were well, and that we were in this sort of trans-temporal communication across time and space. And those four days were incredibly rich, I mean, Mm -hmm. for for both of us. And that that could be multiple podcasts in and of itself. And so we're not going to get into a lot of those details, Mm -hmm. but essentially when we came down off the mountain on the last day you wait till the sun rises once the sun rises that's the indication on on the fifth morning on the fifth morning to return back to camp and cross the threshold back into the middle middle world and and so um it was a pretty wild last night and this incredibly potent powerful lightning storm that came Mm -hmm. through which was the most electric explosive experience that i've ever seen or witnessed in my entire life yes both of us got our stuff entirely soaked both of us got pushed off of our mountain because lightning was striking the mountaintops and we had to run down into the valley Mm -hmm. all around and Mm -hmm. so then it was it was such a relief to actually see the sun come up on that fifth morning you know and it was this like real readiness this Mm. real like wow like got got the message in Mm. in a lot of ways and time to return back to the middle world and so coming down off the mountain I'm walking down off of my mountain and then I see Alia walking down off of her mountain and without intention and without breaking stride we literally meet each other on the path Mm -hmm. to return back to camp Mm -hmm. and we proceed to walk basically side by side and at this time we're not making eye contact we're not talking Mm -hmm. we're still respecting each other as spirit in this dimension before we cross back into the threshold and back into our bodies um 
but we are walking side by side and we mm-hmm. walk back across the threshold side by side, mm-hmm. essentially birth back into the world together. And mm-hmm. unbeknownst to us at that moment in time, how significant that actually was, um, came back into the world together. And mm-hmm. through then the witnessing and the hearing of each other's stories, recognized that we had really a powerfully shared vision out mm-hmm. on the land. So. Yes, exactly, exactly. Birth back into the middle world of incarnate form together, carrying these visions from the earth, of the earth. And through the speaking of that and the receiving and the mirroring from the kind of community council and our guides and hearing one another and witnessing ourselves and each other, really came to recognize that we were being invited to steward and carry a shared, harmonized, resonant vision for a more beautiful, life-sustaining future world Mm -hmm. beside another human, which was really the last thing that either of us Mm -hmm. imagined when we chose to go out on the quest and kind of claim our sovereign spiritual path of empowerment. We were not intending romantic love to find us, and yet the harmony and the resonance of these stories and the visions of how this world could be designed and this pathway towards this great collective sort of unfoldment was Mm -hmm. so clearly mutually informative and and so yeah we (laughs) went into a frenzy of beautiful creative energy sharing exploration dialogue articulation barely even sleeping (laughs) the last three days of the time of kind of incorporation after you tell your story yeah we barely even slept we were in this amazing waking dream place of radical co-envisioning together and and just to say you know that this ceremony is is totally sober you're you're just drinking water right you're not eating any food you're out exposed on the land for four days you come back and you're in an incredibly altered state, right? You're in a very mythopoetic way of being where mm-hmm. life was just like animate, right? Like speaking to you in all of these multiplicity of ways and deepening into that throughout the, the four days that you're out there. And it's so radical and beautiful and intense, but so also gradual that you almost don't even realize how altered you are till you come back. And so then we share our stories and we get to hear each other's stories. And it's just incredibly profound to hear the stories that people are coming back from the land with. And it was so profound to hear Alia's and I know mm-hmm. it's likewise for her to, mm-hmm. to hear my story as well. Yes. And then to see as soon as we told our stories, this just potency of the shared vision just started pouring through our relational container and Mm -hmm. it was just imagining and seeing these archetypal mythopoetic stories of the earth's evolutionary unfolding speaking them to to each other recognizing the grief the nature of the times the -hmm. challenges the struggles the intensity this birthing moment that we're in Mm -hmm. this initiating moment that we're in and what some possible seeds of 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 new possibilities Mm -hmm. look like feel like could be and it was just this like pure archetypal flowing of energy that mm-hmm. both of us really attribute to the earth. And mm-hmm. so that's really starting to now get into some of the core content because really 
over the course of the next like four days or so and mm-hmm. the next month or two really the the core foundations of our entire seeds vision were laid out in a pretty wild kind of ecstatic frenzy creative process that came out of this vision quest and Mm -hmm. I know that's like it's a wilderness rite of passage but it's also called a vision quest and there is no doubt about it that vision was obtained through this quest and not that that's what we were seeking essentially we were seeking ourselves and in finding ourselves found each other and in finding each other found this vision living between us Mm -hmm. as a living invitation from life to take up this opportunity to really say yes to this collective moment and uh, to seek to serve this moment to serve this moment that's in alignment and entombment with our radical individual authenticity yes exactly yep and these last four years have been this humble (laughs) yeah radical process of learning how to serve that vision and live into that possibility that we glimpsed and we saw and we articulated and we laid the foundations for in the mythopoetic visionary landscape. Yes. And so we'll talk more about how we've been further conceptualizing and then implementing some of those basic frameworks. But we want to talk right now about our kind of understanding and seeds frameworks around the nature of the times that we find ourselves in collectively we're living in a a a moment in time Mm -hmm. right a moment in time which we call the nature of the times what is the nature of the times Mm -hmm. right and so seeds ultimately is a response to the nature of the times Mm -hmm. and right now when we look out at the nature of the times one of the frameworks that we use is the sort of understanding of the meta crisis of this moment and Mm -hmm. that comes from zach stein and others um, also the term polycrisis, multi-crisis, right? We're experiencing crisis on multiple dimensions right now collectively, not mm-hmm. only showing up in our infrastructure and in our politics and our economics, mm-hmm. but also inside our psycho-spiritual experience of reality that mm-hmm. essentially we are in an identity crisis moment, that a way of being that we've occupied and inhabited can no longer really effectively take us forward into the future. Yes, exactly. So this meta crisis in uh, in kind of simplest terms is this constellation of existential crises that kind of stem from this unknown origin or interplay of of different variables that are very hard to yeah. decipher or to piece apart or to solve in any one domain because there's rippling, cascading yeah. existential issues with right. the whole way that we're oriented or yes. our worldview. And so we've kind of traced that back, utilized some of these frameworks from Bill Plotkin and others who kind of look at the developmental process processes of the individual and mapping that onto the collective are really seeing this moment as this adolescent, collective adolescent sort of worldview that has become problematic, pathological, to the extent that we're treating the earth and one another as separate entities Mm -hmm. and therefore utilizing and exploiting and extracting at a rate that's really not commensurate with the reality of what is and is also not considering 
the fact that this is our home and this is our family that we're supposedly competing and in opposition towards. Exactly. That essentially, like, we're in need of a revolution of values, Mm -hmm. right? That we're existing in a worldview, a self-concept that's fragmented, Mm -hmm. that essentially is, is too narrowly defined. I think one of the healthiest ways to describe that is actually it's just adolescent. Mm -hmm. We're essentially an adolescent society. And I like the way Bill Plotkin says it's a it's become a pathologically adolescent Mm -hmm. moment in time for us Mm -hmm. collectively. Right. Mm -hmm. That it's like adolescence carried forward too far. Mm -hmm. Right. That adolescence is interested in growth. Right. It is interested in how do I compare to other people, me versus you and in striving to come to know who I am. Maybe I do mm-hmm. need to compete in these different ways. And, but then there grow, that grows into a sense of maturity, right? Mm-hmm. And it just like we love modeling after the tree, right? Mm-hmm. That there's a tree goes through these different life cycles of development and that early on it's growing and fundamentally it's taking, right? It's just receiving from the environment. It's taking from the environment. It's focused on growth. It's focused on establishing, establishing itself, But once it does, it reaches a place where it's now rooted, right? It's now grown. It doesn't need to focus on growth in the same way. Mm -hmm. It starts giving. It starts supporting. It starts propagating. It starts sharing, right? Mm -hmm. It serves more. And a tree ultimately eventually gives more than it ever took in its process of growth back to life. And Mm -hmm. that this is part of this phase shift of self-understanding, of a collective identity that we're needing to go through. And it's sort of a maturation, a collective maturation. And just like we were going out on the land to Mm -hmm. transition from one stage of maybe adolescence to adulthood or a first adulthood to a deeper sense of adulthood, right, that we can go through collective phase shifts, collective Mm -hmm. initiations, collective maturations, and that's essentially... A, a, a deepened understanding, a wider conceptualization, and a more integral way of knowing who we are, right? Mm-hmm. It, we, we essentially humble ourselves. We become more humble. We realize there's a multiplicity of relationships that are supporting my very being, that mm-hmm. have allowed me to come into being. Right. And therefore, we then strive. We, we fall back in love with life. We thank life for having grown us into being, mm-hmm. right? Having given us so much that we can arrive here. And now there's a desire to serve and to mm-hmm. serve from our unique place, our unique niche mm-hmm. that we occupy to give back to the world. And so that's sort of this foundational way that we are mapping or understanding this collective moment. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Right. And then this, there's this emergent vision. There's mm-hmm. this emergent vision of how this sort of ecocentric evolutionary process unfolds. And that's the way we've sort of named this maturation process. It's an ecocentric evolutionary process of becoming. Mm-hmm. Right. And we're transitioning out of an egocentric way of identifying, of developing, of growing, right, of of being in the world and into an egocentric relational way that's now asking deeper questions, that's more attuned to complexity, that's more systems focused, right, and recognizing ourselves as, as much more than just some fragmented, limited, individual you know, um, identity that's in service fundamentally to our ourselves, right? Yes, exactly. And 
You know, it's an interesting thing because I think that there can be questions that might arise around, well, is this actually what's happening? Is this true? Are we going through sort of a developmental phase shift between an adolescence and an adulthood as a species? But we actually think that it's really essential to look at, is it helpful? Is it useful? Is it supportive? Is it meaningful to frame the current question in the way that we're framing it? With this sort of ecocentric evolutionary framework where we're looking at the developmental phase shift of our species, it tends to soothe the nervous system. It does for myself. I think it does for you. It can help us feel that there's not something that's fundamentally wrong with us as a person or as a species that there isn't something like that is just inherently malicious or awful or um, inconsiderate about who we are but actually maybe just as with an individual the phase of adolescence and more of an egocentrism it's even mapped in Eric Erickson's social psychosocial kind of developmental stages of human development it's an understood aspect of what it is to be human that we go through a process of understanding ourselves as more of a separate self ego identity and that though there is a helpful process of having support and being able to expand and include more elements of life more facets of aliveness more maturity that can allow us to take our place in a much deeper, longer-term perspective Mm. of who and what we are, what we call an ecocentric understanding Mm. of who and what we are, which is considering more forms of life and is also considering a deeper sort of time frame and trans-temporal understanding of life and the unfoldment of life over time. Exactly, right? And we see this as a invitation fundamentally, Mm -hmm. right? Not exactly or explicitly what is. Right. It's an invitation as a possibility mm-hmm. for becoming. Yes. And seeds is a process, relational way of being in this particular moment. Mm-hmm. Right. And the vision is a process, relational, educational revolution Mm -hmm. right it's recognizing that we're in a process of becoming Mm -hmm. can we integrate what has been can we feel what has been can we feel into and imagine possibilities of being and becoming Mm -hmm. and find a way to be in between right Mm -hmm. to literally be in between what can be and what has been as a way of learning Mm -hmm. as a way of humbling ourselves to a process of becoming right and that's through weaving ourselves back in to a wider field of relationality, right? an ecocentric way of being, which mm-hmm. honors and recognizes the multiplicity of relationships that are allowing for my experience of life to be. Mm-hmm. Right. And so there's underneath this, underneath seeds, is actually a deep love for life itself mm-hmm. and the radical complexity of our experience of aliveness. Mm-hmm. Right, that this, these billions of years of an evolutionary process that has brought us into being on this unique place in the cosmos, this earth, this special environment and ecosystem that is affording the complexity of our experience of aliveness, right? That that consciousness that we are 
are inhabiting and occupying and experiencing is born out of relationship. And so the desire then to serve that, to love that and to serve that so that our experience of aliveness over time, not just my one life, but literally over time, over multiple generations can grow, that we can deepen, that we can tend to a quality of being, right? Mm-hmm. That, that, that this experience can grow in its beauty and its majesty and its intensity and its creativity over time, right? And that this is really an incredibly unique gift that we are uh, experiencing. Yes. And so with that process is actually a recognition and a reckoning with the nature of the times and what is and looking around ourselves and within ourselves and seeing the toll that this way of being has taken on us. And we talk about this as sort of a desertification of the collective times where a lot of the spirit of this miracle and this animation of life has been depleted and has been forgotten and has been ignored. And if spirit is seen as water, that there is really a desertification of the abundance and the fertility of life. And that part of our invitation in these times for those of us who hold a seed of a regenerative possibility for ourselves as a species and ourselves in relationship with the earth is to tend the conditions inside and out for the kind of reanimation and the regeneration of our individual and cultural and ecological Mm. experience. Mm. And so part of that process is actually to compost all Mm. of those parts of ourselves that may still be living from these more separate selves, traumatized, limited Um, fragmented aspects of what it has been and is to be a modern human in this reality Mm -hmm. to compost those into soil that can serve as fertile and fecund conditions for new kind of emergent possibilities to be able to grow and root and sprout over time right exactly yeah and that when we look out at the nature of the times and the way that we've been participating in our extraction based you know um ways of relating to life and the more than human and our competition-based ways of engaging with each other is like this is sort of a desertification of these times like quite physically like Mm -hmm. throughout the planet we're desertifying through our agricultural practices and our extraction-based um economic systems but also a a spiritual desertification Mm -hmm. that we're we're alone and separate and thirsty for Mm -hmm. for more meaning more significance more vitality more life more water more nutrient right and Mm -hmm. so it's time to compost and that's part of the visions that came to us on this vision quest Mm -hmm. of these like dead trees these dead systems these things that cannot take us into the future because they were built Built on a fragmented identity structure mm-hmm. that are going to need to be composted, right? Mm-hmm. That these systems are collapsing, these systems are breaking. And so how do we digest them? How do we compost them so that they can be nutrient for the seeds of possibilities that are emergent within the collective psyche? And as so many people are carrying right now, this this longing, this sense of that something else is possible mm-hmm. here. And we now need to create the conditions, right? Like we're carrying these seeds in our hands. We can look mm-hmm. at the palm of our hands and 
be in awe of the majesty of the universe and its infinite complexity and possibility. And then we can look around at the nature of the times and it's like, well, where do I plant these seeds? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Right? It's dry and a desert. And where is the life? Where is the nutrient? Where is the abundance? And so we need to compost. We need to bring back the mycelium. We need to bring back the moisture. We need to balance the elements. We need to create the fertile conditions that can allow us to plant these seeds of a new way of being in the earth, in time and place, to begin to grow the new world that we're all imagining and mm-hmm. being drawn into, right? Mm-hmm. And through doing that, we, we get closer to it. When, we, when we, you see the seed begin to sprout and grow and you see the green leaves popping up, it draws us more closer to it. We want to tend it more. We taste its possibilities of its own becoming, of that seed growing into a tree that can bear fruit that we can literally taste in the future. And so we're drawn towards it. And that's part of this vision of these communities, these hubs, these places where the conditions are going to be tended to, where these seeds of possibility are going to be planted as experiments, as evolutionary experiments of ways of being in relationship to this moment, to these times, Mm -hmm. that can grow something new, that can truly offer a living symbol of possibilities that can guide us towards the future, and that this is this collective transitional moment that we're in. Mm-hmm. Yes, exactly. And that idea of the living symbols is one that's stayed with us and guided us for a long time, that these changes in this transformation and metamorphosis needs to take root and take form on dimensions that are not just on the rational or the conceptual or the mental aspects of our being that it actually needs to be somatically felt and emotionally experienced and relationally attuned with, that we need to have what we call these um, eco-cultural praxis hubs where we can learn together, unlearn, and relearn what it is to be ecocentrically minded, Mm -hmm. design participants with life, as life, in these hubs of resilience that create more localized sovereignty and that cross-pollinate across time and space and that these living symbols can help awaken a possibility that actually can affect us on levels beyond or beneath maybe just the kind of rational linear mentalization but can actually touch our hearts and our bodies and our souls and our spirits to believe that maybe it is worth it to actually give up or to sever or to sacrifice or to allow certain parts to die or to compost because there maybe actually is a pathway that's more viable towards a life-giving future. And if we don't have example sites like this, these these sites of community building and ecological stewardship, then how can we expect the collective to actually make a transition away from the extractive and exploitative patterns of consumption and colonialism and technology that are keeping us bound in the same issues and problems that we face in this time. Exactly. And we haven't moved towards something new because we don't know what that is. Mm-hmm. Right. We all might have ideas about where the problems are located, but what is the new? What really can allow us to 
harmonize, to organize, to support new creative processes and ecocentric development and technologies that can weave us into proper relationship with not only the complexities of ourselves as a unique individual human being, but the complexities of our relationship with each other as cultural beings and the complexity of our relationship with the more than human ecological way of being, right? That we need to begin to explore and experiment with these ways of being to begin to articulate possibilities that can be replicated, right? And so that's like, it's amazing when you think about seeds because seeds are these highly adaptive, incredibly intelligent, like they're, they're, they're encapsulating all of the past that has been, right? Woven into the genetics and holding like food for itself, nutrient for itself, that given the right conditions, it can birth and grow into being. And they can lay dormant for, for sometimes centuries, mm-hmm. right? They can lay dormant. Mm-hmm. And then once the environment is ripe and prime, they can sprout into being. Yes. And so the, the main task of our times is to tend to the conditions, right? And I love the the the, the image of the parable of, of the kingdom of heaven. It's like a farmer out casting seeds, mm-hmm. right? And they, some land on the road and they're trampled on and, and some land on the rocks and they, they get burnt by the sun. It's too hot. Some land amongst the weeds and they get choked out by the thorns and some land on, on good soil. Mm-hmm. And the ones that land on good soil sprout and grow, mm-hmm. right? And so it's like tend to the conditions, right? right. Tend to the soil, tend to the conditions because seeds are being casted. Possibilities are constantly emerging within mm-hmm. our environments and our context. Life wants to evolve at the foundation of our being. Life mm-hmm. is driving forward, is self-overcoming, is mm-hmm. seeking new possibilities, new ways of interconnecting, new ways of relating to create more stability, more coherence, more comfort complexity, more possibility over time, and that given the right conditions, those will, those seeds will grow and sprout and germinate into something truly beautiful and sustainable. And mm-hmm. we need those, we need to create those environments. And that's part of this vision that we saw is these, these actually are just popping up. There are, we're already tending to them. This is already happening, mm-hmm. right? These emergent communities are showing up, these environments, not only in the newest sphere and in the internet space, but also physically, mm-hmm. the physical environments that are attempting to tend to the ripe conditions for our flourishing and for life's flourishing. And that the more we can do that, and we love the idea of the sort of membrane metaphor, right? That these are cells that are forming that will be semi-autonomous and contained, right? That they can protect themselves to begin to practice new ways of being, new ways of relating, new economic structures, but be permeable enough, be communicating enough with the larger system that it can translate what it's learning back. It can actually Mm -hmm. speak back to the system itself and invite the system into new ways of being and learn from the context of the times, not communities going off and trying to escape into the forest to live an isolated life, but communities forming in relationship to the nature of the times as a way of participating in this evolutionary moment, right? And so that's at the core foundation of our vision of seeds is the propagation of these ecocentric values 
the planting and tending them into localities, a networked way of relating to each other globally, integrating our global technological infrastructure and environment to propagate these ways of being, to propagate these ideas, to share these success stories, and to begin to plant these seeds of possibility in time and place to, to uh, witness, to study, and to explore what can become, what can be, and to communicate that back to the world as an invitation for participation in this evolutionary transformational moment. Yes, exactly, exactly. And that's part of why we call ourselves a school. Maybe we can talk a little Mm -hmm. bit more about our name in this moment and really kind of clarify the words that we use, the phrases that we use, and and why we've chosen them, why they've really chosen us in large part. But we call ourselves a school in part because we don't feel like we could claim that we know how to do this thing in all of its totality or fullness. But we can claim the process-oriented sort of way of being that sees ourselves as lifelong learners Mm -hmm. in apprenticeship with life itself, with the earth itself, with these evolutionary impulses of more harmonized complexity over time. Mm -hmm. And so we call ourselves a school because we're all about the learning together of what it means Mm -hmm. to meet the nature of the times, the challenges of the times, the issues of the times from a growth-minded kind of rigorous educationally resource research oriented way of tracking ourselves and sharing back with the wider culture what we're learning in the process Mm -hmm. of coming together in these ways yes and in a lot of ways too we like the secondary definition of school of being a group of sort of organisms that have a shared interest, like a school of fish. Yes. And so we're also calling out to those who also have a shared interest, a shared commitment, a shared vision for ways of orienting amidst these collective times in a way that can be educationally focused, that can be in deep apprenticeship and mentorship with life as it has grown us and as it continues to compel us to more life-giving ways of being. Exactly. It's like school as a place set apart for learning. And like ultimately, like that's just life. Like this is a place where we are learning, where life is learning about itself through interacting with itself in Mm -hmm. order to grow more complexity, deepened experience, deepened creative potential and possibility. Mm -hmm. And that seeds is is identifying that we're in this evolutionary school, right? Mm -hmm. And this is an evolutionary moment. And Mm -hmm. we're on our evolutionary edge. And we haven't been where we're going before. This Mm -hmm. is a new context. This is a new moment. This is a new environment that requires experimentation and exploration and underneath it all there is a process of becoming there's a process of becoming that's moved through uh, unprecedented continuously unprecedented uh, self-overcomings right it's like mm-hmm. from single-celled organisms to multi-cell from from no life to life to you know to mm-hmm. life on land all of these different huge evolutionary leaps that have taken mm-hmm. place in the past that there is a process underlying 
all of this that is, that has informed us and has allowed us to come into being, that's guiding this process. And we are consciously attuning to that Mm -hmm. and attempting to learn from that process, learn from each other, learn Mm -hmm. from this moment and attune to and in right aligned ways, like how we can effectively participate in this time to move towards an ecocentric way of being. Yes. And before we go into the next part of our name, the school for ecocentric evolution, I just want to name another aspect of the school being that we've directly witnessed and experienced in our own ways the pitfalls and the challenges and the kind of limitations of just moving towards the intentional community kind of structure as though like that's just what we're gonna do and then people come to that with a lot of their assumptions expectations projections about what that intentional sort of earth-based community will be and so we found it very useful actually to talk about it more as an educational process of learning how it is that we come into more self-discovery more communal processes and more ecological stewardship Um, Rather than claiming or saying that that is already what we are, but actually the learning process of how do we tend to becoming that over deep time, over a multi-generational process of becoming. And that helps us get out of our own ways of these deep human longings that, of course, we have to just be go back to the land with our favorite humans and know suddenly how to fully do this. But actually, like that's kind of jumping ahead in a lot of ways to a deep process of immersive learning that we feel like is really essential and not only learning for ourselves, but also to share that learning and be able to exactly. replicate some of the findings and the wisdoms that come out of that immersive learning exactly. as an inherently important and useful process in and of itself. Exactly. And so, so um, we are the school for ecocentric evolution, which we've kind of touched on a bit already, um, but really want to go deeper into what do we mean by ecocentric evolution? It's an orientation, it's a worldview, it's a way of being that inherently lends itself to a way of showing up and acting in the world, right? It's a value statement. Mm-hmm. Ecocentric is a is reclaiming of a value of relationship, mm-hmm. a value of belonging, mm-hmm. a value of interconnection, and evolution as a process of becoming, a process mm-hmm. of ever growing into deeper relationality, deeper connection, deeper belonging, deeper way of centering ourselves in the multiplicity of relationships that are affording my being, right? That I'm I'm an individual being, but I'm I'm born out of literally relationship. Mm-hmm. And I'm 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 shaped by culture, not just this culture now, but the culture that has been. And I'm shaped by the more than human context and literally like the water, the earth, the like air, the the sun. I'm born out of all of these dynamics and and this this hyper complex system that is allowing me to be and that's where i belong because it's this is where we belong like we belong here in life because we are born out of life and Mm -hmm. how can we continue to facilitate um the relational space that allows for our experience of life to 
complexify, to diversify, to be to increase in quality, to increase in our capacity for creative participation with what is. And that's sort of this ecocentric evolutionary process. Yes, exactly. And so we really love this word ecocentric. It is from the Greek oikos, which means family, kin, home, and all of the relationships that provide that sense of family, kin, home. And so when we say ecocentric, we're really centering ourself and our sense of self, our understanding of self within the web of life, of family, of relationships that have birthed us through deep time and therefore that we're in deep service and commitment to stewarding across time in all of its diversity and all of its complexity and that that's an evolutionary and by evolutionary we just mean that that this process of ever um, growing in our ability to hold more in mind it works through us it has resulted in the highly complex vessel of our being and that it is something that we can trust and we can study and we can align ourselves with in an ecocentrically minded way absolutely yeah and that there's there's this moment where we're transitioning right we're moving from a sort of paradigm that's propagated an egocentric or we could just say limited self-understanding and now we're needing to expand our self-understanding to include more and participate with life in order to facilitate that process. And that requires our active participation in designing this transitional moment, not controlling, but designing through attuning to and supporting ourselves to move towards this uh, ecocentric way of being and to facilitate the conditions that can allow that to be. And life has grown some really interesting uh, capacities within us as human beings. Like we can imagine, we can literally imagine future possibilities mm-hmm. born out of what is real. Like what is, what is actually real now and imagine possibilities of becoming and basically encapsulate those possibilities like seeds, weave them into seeds that can be planted into time and space and grown into being mm-hmm. like we can grow our visions into being this is what we do and those visions can either come back to destroy ourselves mm-hmm. and destroy each other and the more than human or they can integrate and serve the complexity of being and and sometimes both right sometimes mm-hmm. both can be true and so we we can't help but be designing beings. This is who we are. We are mm-hmm. imagining beings, imagining beings that are also creative forces, creative beings in the world. So we need to align our design sciences, our design strategies with an ecocentric way of being, with an ecocentric value set that can guide us towards that in order to support our ontology, our beingness, mm-hmm. to to be more aligned with and more in service to the nature of what is. Yes, exactly. And so that last part of our name, design strategies, really allows us actually to integrate and weave together more aspects of what we might think of as the left kind of hemisphere of our brain, more rational, more linear more problem-focused, problem-solution-focused, 
and weave that into conjunction with the right side of the brain, this ecocentric evolutionary, relationally, intuitively informed part of who we are. And together, that sort of integration synthesis of the left, the right, the masculine, the feminine, as a study, as a way of being in this school of life that is teaching us about this multifaceted understanding of who we are and what we're in service to understanding as the encapsulation of seeds of regenesis, seeds of possibility that are calling us, are moving us, are compelling us forward into a next chapter of our planetary story. Yes, Yes. exactly. And so just to name, and we're going to get into this in future episodes, but a foundation of our design strategies, our design sciences, our ways of understanding is who are we, right? How do we map ourselves, right? And we've identified three primary domains of being that we need to tend to uh, in, in particular ways that can support our ecocentric evolutionary process, that we are individual selves. We are individual beings. We have a unique subjective experience of life, that I'm experiencing something radically unique to what you're experiencing, right? And that that's inherently valuable, but it's also inherently complex and challenging. So how do we support our individual well-being, our individual relationships and complex relationships with our own selves? Mm -hmm. That's the first pillar, the first domain. The second domain is the cultural sphere, right? That we aren't... we. We aren't just individual beings. We're literally cultural beings. We're born out of a cultural moment. We're born out of a cultural milieu. We're literally born out of two other human beings, right? Mm -hmm. The language I'm speaking, how I'm thinking, what I can imagine, the clothes I'm wearing, the environments I'm walking through, all of this is shaping my fundamental reality of who I think I am as an individual. So we need to honor the fact that we're cultural beings, right? And through being cultural beings, how do we tend to the cultural space? Mm -hmm. How do we facilitate relationships between ourselves as human beings that increases our quality of experience and our creative capacity Mm -hmm. over time, right? Not just this individual life, but over time, this cultural being is a much higher complexity than our individual being, and it lives and exists beyond the time span that our individual being exists. So we tend to that as this sort of transcendent domain of the individual participating in something larger than ourselves. And then there's the third domain, which is the ecological, the more than human domain that's providing the context and informing all of our being, our cultural being and our individual being. Without this planet, without the water, without the sunlight, without, you know, the atoms and the particles, you know, that's the and the relational habits and patterns that are shaping and literally informing my very being and experience of aliveness, this doesn't exist. I don't have this experience, right? And so tending to those conditions, tending to our environments, tending to the foundations of life, reanimating life, having life become more alive around us, expressing beauty and vitality and abundance, feeds back to us and nourishes us on an individual and cultural level. And so these are the three primary domains that we tend to, that we are focused on at Seeds of supporting the vitality within. And they're mutually co-arising and woven together and dependent on each other. Yes, exactly. And we're really excited to be able to share more 
about those three domains of being mm. as well as these three pillars of how we see it's useful and it's effective and it's supportive to design and the practices yeah. that we draw upon yep. within each of those domains and across those domains. Exactly. And also communicating some of the real world examples and praxis yes. um, ex experimentations that we've done at Seeds over the past three or four years and to update you all on how these models, how are, are these, these visions are actually currently applying themselves in real world environments and how they can continue to yes. apply themselves over time. So we hope that you can get a lot of value out of these conversations and that you can apply these concepts in real time into your life. So if this first conversation is interesting to you, is inspiring to you, if you're feeling aligned and resonant, please stay tuned. There's going to be a lot more. You can also check out our um, Substack as well as uh, some of our social media channels where we're going to be sharing this article, um, this podcast, and otherwise. So please stay tuned, and thank you so much for joining along and getting to this point if you have. We really appreciate it. Please reach out. Please, We really want to open the door to communication. If you're feeling resident and aligned, if you have any questions, this has inspired anything for you, um, we'd love to hear from you. Yes, we're so, so, so grateful to be in this together with all of you because we deeply and inherently are interwoven and entangled in this process of becoming yep. that which it's possible to be as a species and as individuals and as a collective. So thank you for yes. being here and helping us become who we are. And thank you for being here and becoming who you are as well. Absolutely. And be well. Be well.